Hello, language enthusiasts, and welcome to The Language Worker, a space to talk about the people involved in the language business in a broad sense. I'm interested in finding out how their training, work experience, and their passion for languages has shaped our guests' professional and, of course, personal lives. Join me on this journey to explore the multiple and unpredictable paths one can follow when we are involved in the magical world of languages. Adrian Probst is a Swiss freelance translator who loves working in the sports arena. He is also a content creator for his popular YouTube channel, Freelance Verse, which is a reference for anyone who wants to know all about the language service industry. So today I couldn't be more thrilled because I am here with a super famous, super special, <laughs> amazing YouTuber. I mean, the man is popular. We have to say that. <laughs> and it's really, really nice to talk to you, Adrian. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation. I know you have a lot to do. You're preparing to travel as far as I know. So if you could just just a little bit about yourself, and then we'll talk about your background. Sure, yes. Hello, Rita. Hello, listeners. Thank you so much for inviting me. Pleasure to be here. And of course, I said yes. You were so surprised. <laughs> of course, I come on. I, I told you before, I listened to every English episode, so, and now the sun is coming out, so I'm illuminated. <laughs> Same here. Uh, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm Adrian. I'm uh, a German. Uh, well, I'm Swiss, but I'm a German translator, so... Swiss German is my native language. I've been working in the language industry since 2016. And since 2020, as you said, I have a YouTube channel called The Freelance Verse, where I uh, share every Monday at once a week a video about translation, freelancing, language. Uh, I keep it relatively open because I really just want to do whatever I want to do on there. And uh, the goal was to do it for one year and then People told me, please continue. And now it's been three years and I still enjoy it very much. It gives me a lot of opportunities. <clears throat> but the main, my main business, my main work is still the, the language work. I do um, many different services within this industry. Uh, now, lately, also more like uh, in a consulting manner as well for companies. So I, I do language consulting sessions. <clears throat> for companies that want to expand to Switzerland, for example. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that is my my journey. And I, I never thought about becoming like becoming a translator was not my main goal. I, I never had even the idea that this is even a profession. But uh, I have a business background. I did a business apprenticeship. Then I did a pre-business school, basically. going. Uh, my plan was to go to mm -hmm. business school, but then... Um, I didn't have the necessary grades in like maths and stuff. So <laughs> only my language grades were good. Uh, so then I checked the, the Swiss universities for degrees that you have to be good in languages. And that's when I was first uh, confronted with translation and interpreting. So I went for that bachelor. And yeah, now I'm working in this industry since then. Wow, that's insane. That's very unusual. So what kind of kid were you in that case? So you, you didn't really focus on languages until you were much older. So what happened growing up? <laughs> Your intro... I mean, uh, <laughs> I never really, I wasn't the person that thought about my professional future very often, you know, it mm -hmm. was just, 
I grew up in a very traditional and small village uh, with a, with my <clears throat> my uh, life plan basically laid out. Right, it would have been very easy to just follow this traditional route mm -hmm. um, without deviating too much. But then, um, quite early on, I realized that this is not me, and I, I have kind of a different idea of my life. But I didn't really have a an idea what I want to do and I also didn't have any different role models in a way in my family because everyone stayed in this in this village right and I mean it's not a bad thing I, I, I love going there but it's just something very different for me so I had to kind of figure out my way on my own what I wanted to do and then I always moved away a bit further when I first moved to the closest biggest city from my village which is Bern I, I felt like, oh, this is really far, right? But then I went further, <laughs> I went to Zurich, and then I went to the Netherlands, and then I went to Brussels. So it's always a, a slow, uh, uh, how do you say, like a progression somehow. Mm -hmm. Things become relative, right? Once you are somewhere, it, it doesn't feel that far anymore. And then when I look back and thinking that I would have lived in another country 10, 15 years ago, this would have been unimaginable. And now I'm saying, oh, it's just six hours by train to go home right it's, it's all becoming relative um but yeah the the only thing i knew what i wanted to do was some kind of office work probably some kind of business <laughs> i so you uh, thought of having your own a, business back then or not in that perspective kind of, yeah, somebody yeah, else. Kind of, yeah I, I mean i saw my dad he was working in a in a sales position he was mm -hmm. leading a big team of salespeople in, a, in the automotive industry and uh, I went a few times to his company and I saw like the big multinational business environment. And I was attracted by that. I thought this is, I can see myself in this surrounding. That's why I went down this path as well. And then uh, I could still see myself in this, in this situation within the language industry. You know, mm -hmm. I work now as a freelancer for six years, but I'm not saying at all that this is, what I want to do forever right I could mm -hmm. definitely imagine myself going back into the the how do you say that like the, the employee employer mm -hmm. relationship mm -hmm. like I'm not opposed to that at all I think it's it, it could definitely happen <clears throat> and I do get often now asked or I get I get like job offers uh, mm -hmm. through LinkedIn or through... I bet you do <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's always interesting because like it's kind of you you ask yourself what would what would someone have to offer me to give up my lifestyle that I have now, right? Because oftentimes it's also linked to with like moving to London or moving to Berlin or something. So there is a lot coming with this job offer, and uh, so far it has not been uh, <laughs> enough for me to make the jump. But um, who knows? Maybe one day something comes along that I can't refuse. Mm. But yeah, it was not like I go with the flow. I don't have any. Hmm. long-term plans i never had it so i'm just <laughs> enjoying when i'm when i'm happy and at the moment i'm happy so that's good so you see yourself working for example for a big let's say lsp i assume more from a, a business point of view that could be possible but i doubt that i would go to an lsp <laughs> ah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I could rather see myself in a in a multinational company that doesn't necessarily work in the language industry, but me being the link of the 
communication, the localization mm -hmm. within this company. Yes, that's very yeah. on trend right now. I know that there's a lot of companies, especially in the pharmaceutical uh, field, others too, because I've seen a lot of my friends uh, that I met in the LSP world, because I've been working in LSPs for a long time now. Well, I'm not at the moment, but I was until recently, and I was uh, for about 13 or 14 years in a row. Mm -hmm. I worked for big LSPs. And um, I understand that a lot of the people who used to work with me are now working for companies that are not LSPs, but are actually doing that, that you're saying, being the link between the company and uh, either freelancers or other LSPs, smaller LSPs, mm. local LSPs, and all of that. So I, I understand that there's a, a, big <laughs> a big possibility that in case you would be interested that you would have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It would just need to be an opportunity that would still allow me the same freedom. I mean, not the same freedom. That's not possible that I have now, but kind <laughs> of related and, you know, just uh, a creative position that, that could be interesting. But at the moment, I'm, I'm I'm talking like I'm looking for something, but I'm not. <laughs> I know, I know, I know you're not. <laughs> I'm the one, when I'm you happy went to companies and languages, my mind goes yeah, yeah, yeah. to that because it's my, you know, I'm the one who thinks about it from that perspective constantly okay, okay. because, I mean, it's, it's here all the time for me. So, yeah, that's yeah. my fault. <laughs> no, it's fine, it's fine. The moment However, I'm trying to grow my my freelance business into something that is kind of, I, I people ask me to to define what what I what I plan with this, where I see it in five years, and I can't really define it, but <laughs> it will it will look it will grow into something like a cluster, like a group of individuals working together mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> without uh, any typical. Uh, strong hierarchy, you know, but everyone is on the same level, supporting each other with different branches of like mm -hmm. content creation, translation, uh, consulting, and something like this. So I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm thinking about how to build this into something bigger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally makes sense. So how was it different studying business and then studying translation? Well, what was that a, a clash? Did you feel like there was a lot of difference between the people, the environment and all of that? Or was it in the end, you felt that it was not so different? It was very different. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 suddenly <laughs> I, only, I suddenly only did things that I liked. I mean, uh, huh? that, that was amazing. <laughs> Before there was like, oh, Monday, I have to do accounting, I have to do math, <laughs> I have to do statistics. And then suddenly it was like, Monday, translation, Tuesday, cultural, uh, <laughs> learning about the country and Wednesday, researching. And yeah, I, I really enjoyed my studies very much. Uh, in Switzerland, we have two universities that offer this track. Mm -hmm. One is in French and one is in German. So mm -hmm. for me, it was quite clear to go there. And <clears throat> basically everyone from the country goes to the school. Uh, and so everyone with the same kind of ambition and same mentality comes there together right and immediately you have a group of people that are very like-minded that uh, i mean i found some of my best friends there that i still uh, count as my best friends and it was an amazing time i'm very happy i did this uh, degree many people ask me now if it's important to have a translation degree and i tell them there's this is a, a weird question because yeah. <laughs> are you asking is it important to succeed as a translator i would say no mm -hmm. but is it important to grow as a person a hundred percent 
which then leads to the second part as well, right? Without this degree, I would have never ended up where I am now. So mm. in a way, it's it's very much connected, but you can always make it without, that's no question. But even just for the connections that I made mm. there, that are they are actually my friends, but they are also my business connections because they work now in the industry and they they get me through funnels to get to jobs, right? So it's, it's um, yeah, all these things matter a lot. And when someone asks me, I always tell them, it it's probably better if you do a degree, if you can afford it and if you have the time, but not for the reasons that you think it is mm -hmm. important. Yes, I totally get it. So was it during uh, your translation studies or your business studies that you went to Ireland? Yes, during my translation studies. That's yes. what I thought. Did, I saw Dublin. You did I'm your like, research. Oh, yes. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> yes. The, Why? The, Why did you go to worst. Dublin? I, I'm, I suppose you had a wide variety <laughs> of places to choose from. I, I yeah, don't really yeah. know how. I guess it was the Erasmus year. Well, because Switzerland is not in the EU, so we don't ah. have Erasmus per oh, se, okay. right? So right. everyone, everyone else, <laughs> everyone else was paid to be there, and I had to pay thousands ah. of Swiss francs <laughs> to be there. So it's a bit different. But yeah, I think the fourth or fifth semester, I can't remember. I think it was the fifth semester of the of the six in total was a semester mm -hmm. abroad. So it's even and, better. Uh, you had the freedom to not go choose not to go you could go anywhere yeah. or and you decided to go to Dublin was there a previous connection was that something that you were trying to explore was it the language <laughs> <laughs> it was I, I had been before once in in Ireland so I knew I loved the country ah. uh, the nature the greenery I mean it's so beautiful yes I was um, there and I, I I was there just for a week and I I was like, I'm always thinking about going back because it's just right. insane. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like you're dreaming all the time, right? You look and you're like, is this really here? <laughs> is <laughs> this reality here? Yeah. Yeah. And we were very lucky actually when, when I was there because I was there from September to January. So it could have been uh, horrible weather, right? But mm -hmm. it was actually one of the most beautiful autumns. So it was, we were very lucky. Uh, it was my first choice. So we had, I think we had a... a like three options you could choose mm. from and then they don't uh, guarantee that you go to your first option so mm. if it's full then you just go to the second or the third mm -hmm. and i remember i did i did ireland first choice scotland second choice and then i did like a rogue one in the u.s and like penn state <laughs> university in michigan or something as mm. the third one and i was like oh, i hope in a way i hope i don't have to go there but it would have also been cool but then they gave me the first option. Michigan, it's like you 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 wouldn't say California or New York or something like I that. I don't think there was an option for that. I think this was ah. it was Alaska and there was Michigan and I said I'm not going to go to Alaska. I love it. <laughs> but then uh, yeah, no one else wanted to go to Dublin so I I went alone. Every it, almost in all other universities there were a couple of people going together, you know, but I don't know why actually but went alone and it was amazing mm -hmm. it's very a very good time yeah so i i thought it was funny because of course you studied i suppose english and french is it yeah i did so uh, they're your yeah, english uh, and french language? to german translation yeah yeah exactly yeah, so. but you know at in the erasmus semester yes, there's not much studying going on there <laughs> 
<laughs> this is I have like no a... experience with that myself, <laughs> but uh, it was still very early stages of Erasmus. Some people were already going in, in my university or in my college, people were going to Italy that year, I guess. Mm -hmm. During mm -hmm. the time that I was there, it was very popular to go to Italy. And I was yeah. like, I've never been, I'm a bit of a, a terrible uh, example of an European person, I always say, because <laughs> I really prefer other places, to be honest. That's why I lived in the States for six years. Then it's oh, you did? Okay. I did, I did. I lived in Barcelona for two years because I was working for a small LSP. <laughs> <laughs> now I was working for Transperfect, uh, specifically yes, in, Barcelona, <laughs> in the Barcelona office. But really, my traveling adventures, the ones that I really enjoyed, or the first time I ever went abroad, I went to Dubai. So there you go. <laughs> wow, okay, okay. So I went to Dubai. Uh, then I went to Colombia for a, mm -hmm. a terminology symposium. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah, it was amazing. And then I ended up uh, living in the States. And that's the kind of thing that I like, <laughs> you know, going You like to go far. further. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you learn so much and it's just insane. I think I left the States years and years ago. But I guess at least half of my brain, I guess it still lives by American standards. It's such an really? impact, this whole yeah. idea of, of living in... Where did you live? In California. Of <laughs> <laughs> course. So I was, nice. in, I was in Los Angeles for five years. And then mm -hmm. I ended up going to, to the Bay Area for the last year that I was there. And it, mm -hmm. it's like a huge clash to go from Los Angeles to San Francisco. Because San Francisco is so much more like an European city. And I was being mm -hmm. like, oh, no. <laughs> it's too close to home. And it's like you have the, the the yellow cars and you have the bridge and you have all of that like in Lisbon. And even the the, the way that the city is laid out has a lot of similarities. So I was like, oh, okay. what the hell is this? So now I, I always talk about my uh, U.S. experience with... Um, the focus on my Los Angeles times. So that was, yeah, really... yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a, a strange place because it's not beautiful to visit. I mean, if you just go there for no good reason, but if you mm -hmm. have your references and if you want to go and look at things that matter to you in the movies, in the music industry, then it's just an, an amazing experience. But that's mm -hmm. why I don't travel so much in Europe because I always like going to, so my, my big goal is to go to Brazil as soon as possible. <laughs> Okay. Nice. I just identify more with those people, but not you. You are a full-blown uh, European. Full European. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, I, I, my girlfriend had a few years ago had the idea of moving further once in her life, and, and you're like, I said, I'm, I'm, far, I'm sorry, I, I feel free to go, but I can't do that. No, I, I need to have the the quick train connection to the family. It's very important to me. So yes, that does. I like to travel, strange. but I. Yeah, living living abroad is fine. Just needs to be still yeah. close to home. I'm still, still around village. the corner. <laughs> a little bit of a village boy stayed in me. <laughs> so then, after all of your travelings and movings and goings and comings and all of that stuff in 2016, why is it the year that you consider that you established yourself as a freelance translator? Uh, that was because I went to the Netherlands to do a master's degree. Well, I wanted to focus a bit on uh, computational linguistics, so I thought uh, I was working before in a in a translation agency as a project manager, mm -hmm. and it kind of put me off becoming a translator. To be honest, I, I was a bit 
I don't know. I didn't really see the the nice aspects of it. I guess it's just always putting people under pressure, and the texts were not so interesting and stuff. So it, I don't know. It was just I realized I don't want to be a translator, but I want to work in this industry. So I went to the Netherlands to do a master's in mm -hmm. the closest thing you could get to computer science without having a, yep. a mm -hmm. technical background, right? So it was kind of a humane aspect of IT um, and it was great. But then I ran out of money very quickly because it's expensive to live there without <laughs> an income. Uh, so then I was thinking either finding a student job or just finding a mm -hmm. job on the side. Uh, but then also, I was also thinking, I also do have a degree in something, right? I am officially a translator, so I might as well give it a shot. Uh -huh. And uh, I thought I would just uh, do some translations on the side to finance my master's. And I signed up with all the usual platforms that you would start off on and uh, very quickly found a job that I was very surprised about. It was a, a direct client. It was my first ever client. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's wow. No. It's very I have incredible. no idea why they find I mean I, I know why they found me, but it made no sense. They just found me because I lived in the same uh city that this uh, company was. So they just looked for someone local mm -hmm. for no reason. Like why yeah, would you yeah. need someone local? But yeah, but I understand that in the States it still happens these days that they prefer yeah. someone who yeah, it's true. So I understand. Okay. So yes, I did this like shoe website for women's shoes. Me with my uh, years of experience of, of in women's shoes, right? <laughs> I love it as a first project. Is you start at the bottom, so it's shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I literally had to look up everything. I mean, I had no idea. That's really hard. I mean, that's really oh, yeah, really oh, hard. Yeah. I learned so much about women's shoes that that summer. <laughs> So in, in it was case great, they uh, cross my path, I know who to ask. <laughs> yeah. I haven't worked on that since then, but I mean, it's, yeah, I I wasn't qualified to take this job. Uh, officially, I should have declined, but right, if you start off, out and someone offers you like, I don't know, this was like 600 euros or so. And I was like, what? For, <laughs> for doing what I like? Of course, I'm going to do it. And uh, they were happy and it was great. And then from then on, uh, I just realized, okay, if I can even make like, I don't know, 600 or a thousand euros a month by doing this, this is amazing. This pays my groceries, this pays my rent, and I don't need more than that, right? And uh, then I probably worked on it too much because I became, uh, like you said before we started recording, right? When you start something, you're super excited <laughs> and you spend so yeah. much time on something. And I, I was doing 100% masters and I had to study a lot because it was... I had to brush up on my technical stuff and mm -hmm. statistics and maths and programming and, and stuff. So a lot of studying. And still I was working maybe close to 50% next to it on, on this, suddenly this dream I had. <laughs> That's when it was born. I was like, what if I could actually do this for a living? That would be amazing. Uh, and I just... I was still young and I still had more energy <laughs> than, than I have now. <laughs> That's so funny. So, <laughs> I would take the morning train at like 6 a.m. And I had one hour to go to university. So I was working in the train on the translation. 
Then at lunch, I would go to the library, work on translation, go back to class, take the train back, work again, and then work until like midnight. So I don't recommend it only if you, if you have energy and you want to really make it work, but, uh, it, it turned out great. And then by the end of the masters in 2017, I, I had it ready to kind of launch into this full time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was still a big decision because I, I didn't know if I would find more clients right, to, to <laughs> fill the rest. But uh, as I said, I had uh, many connections from my bachelors that worked in agencies, for example, that could easily get me in there mm-hmm. without having to go through the, the normal hoops. You know, it's much easier when you have a connection and you have a, even a friend there. I mean, the, this was invaluable, of course. And then relatively quickly, within half a year or so, I was I was booked full-time and have been growing this business ever since, yeah. And then, of course, like, being booked full-time doesn't mean that you cannot grow anymore, right? Mm-hmm. With, over course. the years, you kick out the less-paying jobs or yeah. you find better clients, <laughs> you, you specialize, mm-hmm. you find that more direct clients. So mm-hmm. I, I was very lucky that I have been now relatively fully booked for for many years but still the business is growing so that's mm. great so speaking of specialization uh i saw it on your uh, linkedin profile that you specialize in i love it it and sports <laughs> yes yes so the it part <laughs> i totally get it <laughs> i guess it's been explained extensively right so you have really a background in, in all of that and you studied computational linguistics and all of that so what about sports? Because as we know from our uh, extraordinary business owner, uh, Martina, right? Sports mm. are very specific. And obviously you don't specialize in all sports, I suppose. Or is there like a, a guiding line there? Or what kind of sports? Is it more mainstream sport? Is it more radical things? So usually what kind of projects do you have in that area? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't keep up with Martina, so that, that's, that's <laughs> impossible. No one can. She is like has the laptop here and is climbing on the wall. <laughs> she doesn't need either of her hands to to type. <laughs> no, but it's great. I, I I look up to her very much. It's cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. She. It's more the mainstream sport for me. I would say, and not even the. Not even the sport per se. I mean, I do I do work on like the, the actual sport content, but mm-hmm. I mostly work on on the things surrounding the sport, like the culture, the 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 footwear, the fashion. The, yeah. You the know equipment. about shoes, so that's all good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I went from women's shoes to football and basketball shoes. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and I work for uh, like associations, football associations, for example, and was very involved in the recent World Cup. So uh, football and winter sports, skiing, snowboarding, mm. um, cross country, all these things are are what I focus on most. And then a lot of, uh, com- or a lot, a few of my clients are companies that are not technically sports companies, but they're very closely linked to mm. a sport. Or for example, they sponsor some, some events. They are the main mm. sponsor for football tournament or a skateboard tournament and uh, a lot of their content is related to sports but not not fully about the actual mm-hmm. sport right more about an event so 
a lot of of things come together like there is marketing in there there's fashion in there there's um like actual rule books of of sports in there so the sports <laughs> right. is a very it's a very wide um, specialization which i like as well because with it you can be kind of put in a box because you have to specialize within it very much so there is no point that you can actually specialize in the whole of it it's so it's so broad right mm -hmm. Uh, so in IT, I mostly have the similar uh, sort of texts, whereas in sports, I, I leave it very wide. I, <laughs> I decide on a case-by-case -case basis if I take the job, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and then I still do a lot of general stuff, by the way. I mean, people talk a lot about specialization, how important it is, but people should not be put off by also doing general things, right? You don't need That's to... True. You don't need to put yourself so much into this mindset. I can only work on this. Like you can do that if you want to, but I enjoy doing other mm -hmm. stuff as well. Yeah, the clients and the market will tell you, right? They'll either come yeah, to you yeah, or not exactly. come to you or looking at your background, they can decide if they think that you're the right person for them or not, especially these days that you have so many options and so much information available. And speaking exactly, of yeah. information, in 2020, you had this other idea. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> about doing something different about the same you're a bit like me i've done all sorts of things i was a project manager i was a vendor manager i was a terminologist i did all sorts of things then when i was in the states i was a language consultant which means that i did anything nice. but i worked on site right so they would call mm -hmm. me in uh so my my biggest client at that time was apple so I, mm -hmm. I would go to the office uh for a week every month for a period and so you know that kind of thing mm -hmm. so i understand just doing this doing that so mm -hmm. i think all we want people like us is to work in this language area right and then we just yeah yeah take exactly. it as, as it comes so i get that so one day you thought to yourself well i'm a fully booked translator but i really want to do something else or how did it happen <laughs> this youtube channel right <laughs> so yeah 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 it kind of i mean it covid happened and uh we were at home everyone and the Boy. economy was cr <laughs> economy was crashing right like all the stocks were in the basement and i just asked myself like i i need to do something like this it's good what i'm doing but if i really want to um create something bigger and like have an income for example that is also generating something without me adding to it mm. i need to branch out right i need to oh you already have that business mindset right yeah, 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 like yeah people like sure, me. For sure. <laughs> this was this was oh. very much in the back of my mind okay and uh i had a few ideas but uh, youtube was always i'm very fascinated by it i'm also a, an avid watcher of a lot of content right and i i'm very I think it has still huge potential, not, not, not YouTube in general, but just video uh, uh, content. Uh, YouTube is just the biggest platform. And so it's a, it's a mean to the, yeah, to the, to the, to the cause basically, but it could be any company. It doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but video content is extremely important and extremely valuable. We, you, you mentioned it as well before, right. That you, do you find, you find your YouTube, uh, like video podcasts, finding more yeah. pairs of eyes. And it's so 
I, I'm not. Ex I'm sure it, uh, or I'm sure I'm not sure, but I think it is the the faces, right? People connect with someone through faces and facial mm -hmm. expressions. You can you can build a much stronger connection. And I always had the idea of doing something on YouTube, but I didn't know what, and I didn't really just want to do a personal channel of like, I don't know, like lifestyle channel or a typical YouTuber's channel. <laughs> but I knew that I could probably do something with my profession, but I needed mm -hmm. to find, to, to have some experience that I can actually talk about something. I, uh, I mean, you could, I guess you could start out when you're starting as a translator and kind of document it that mm -hmm. would be interesting as a journey and how how to get there some people started it actually um but then 2020 i had four years experience and i thought yeah why not do this challenge of just one year one video and see how it's going if i if i enjoy it and i made six <laughs> videos uh, before i even went live before i even oh. went public so once once I had six videos stored and I got a bit more confident, I said, okay, just going to launch it, but I'm not going to tell anyone, you know. Did you watch, <laughs> watch them insistently or? I had to watch them when I edit them, edit. you know, still yeah. now, but, but if I like, oh no, if someone puts on one of my videos and I'm in the room, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm out. <laughs> I can't deal with my own voice. I can watch it once when I'm editing and then it's live and it's already passed. I'm thinking about the next week, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, uh, like you, you ask if there was a business mindset there. There kind of was. I, I thought because on YouTube you have to have a thousand subscribers and like four 4,000 hours watched, I think, of your content to monetize it. And I thought if I do this for one year every every week, Mm -hmm. I might reach that threshold. Like the goal was a thousand subscribers in one year and then uh, start to monetize it and see what I do with the channel. Just mm -hmm. having this baseline of a monetized channel is already something extremely hard to do, right? Because if you, if you look up, like many people are out there like me, they look up how to, like, how to make money online, how to <laughs> create a passive income stream or something. And a YouTube channel is always on this list, but mm -hmm. to get there is is so much work, right? You can't just start and monetize immediately. So I thought if I just do this channel challenge and have this channel there, I can still decide what I do with it after. Mm. But if it's monetized, I can I can see what happens. And then after one year, I was on like four or five thousand already, and uh, I I saw okay, this is this is going well. And now uh, I could actually implement it into my daily workflow because now it's financially sustainable, right? And mm -hmm. I can I can justify to spend time during the week on this project. Mm -hmm. It's not only a side project anymore, but it's now part of my day. Um, I spend roughly one day a week on it at the moment. And I have someone helping me, someone working for me about half a day a week. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, that was kind of the idea, and it, uh, at the moment, I, I don't have a, uh, a big plan anymore. Now I'm just going with the flow and trying well, to I guess you don't need a big plan it. in terms of numbers because I checked, and you have twenty two thousand and seven hundred subscribers at the moment. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I but, have forty. Yeah, so, I mean, we're almost. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that at is nice. <laughs> but in a way, like. 
a lot of people look at the subscriber count, but it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, right? if it's... they don't watch the videos, if they don't yeah. interact, if they don't do anything, exactly. if they don't post it, then uh, I know, I know, there's okay. a, there's a big discrepancy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you would never... rather have you would rather have twenty thousand viewers than twenty thousand subscribers. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But you actually you have tons of viewers anyway, right? I I just uh, saw a video where you have thirteen thousand views from a year and a half ago or something like that. So I mean. Let's face it, your uh, uh, success case. <laughs> right? So I guess you have, I'm not sure, but I talked to another podcaster. <laughs> and I guess having a YouTube channel, being a podcaster, it, you know, from a certain point of view, it's basically the same mechanics. And she said that a lot of people approach her to be on, on, the, on the show, right? Because they know mm -hmm. that there's viewers and all that. Do you have that same situation? So people approach you to be on a show or you just invite them yourself and just spontaneously decide who should be on the show in, in the cases where you have guests because you are a one-man show and you don't, you don't always have guests, right? You do a lot of the, I guess, the vast majority of your videos, you just show up by yourself and we just love it because I watch a lot of your videos. They're very helpful. The information is real. It feels like you're right there with us in the same office. So it just feels amazing. And I totally, totally understand why it's very successful. So it totally makes sense. That's, that's so lovely. Thank you. Do people go I like, hear, oh, I want to be in it. <laughs> I hear a lot of people that say, oh, I, I have your videos on in the background when I work. <laughs> that's so oh, funny. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it does happen, especially this year. It has happened that people uh, started reaching out to me and asking if, if we can make a video together. Uh, but that's a new thing before that didn't happen before I always went after the people. And uh, it's not always easy because people don't like to be on camera or I say people, not, there are certain people who really like it, maybe too much. <laughs> and there are certain people who just say, oh, I'm sorry, this is not for me. Uh, I, I have probably like w on average one video a month where I have guests on, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's two a month and it depends, but I have this, this series, uh, where I talk about specializations, mm -hmm. uh, specialized it's called. And there I always have three guests on and that's every two months. So I'm constantly basically looking for the next guests, you know, and there it's really not easy to find, to find people. I, I, the people that I ask often say, oh, it sounds cool, mm -hmm. but it's not really for me, or I don't think I have the necessary experience to do that. Um, but then I always say that it's actually good. Like I, I approach you, if I approach you for that, I already know your level. Yeah, of you've, you've seen right? something, right? Yeah, there, there is a reason I ask mm -hmm. you. So I always try to mix and match the panelists from like someone who started a year ago to someone who mm -hmm. started 20 years ago to have this interaction, this dynamic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, makes sense. Because everyone should be represented in that, right? So uh, for, for the future, People, if I reach out to you, I know already that, <laughs> that you will be good. Otherwise, I wouldn't ask. But of course, I understand if people decline and then I just look for someone else. Or if I find someone who is very enthusiastic, I often ask if you have someone else that you would recommend, please mm -hmm. tell me. And they often have someone in mind. Um, because I get it, it's hard. Like for me, it became now natural. Like it, it feels normal to do it. I'm not really nervous anymore. Um, but in the beginning, I was uh, I was literally shaking, right? When I was recording with guests, I couldn't. Like, my, I had cold sweats all over. And so, yeah, but 
the more you do something, the, the easier it gets. Yes, and I, I guess now it's so easy that you started, I don't know if it's very recent because I think you're in um, session 14 from what I've mm -hmm. seen. Uh, but I guess you now feel so comfortable that you do live streams. I'm looking at the, <laughs> the, the, the word because I always say live cast or live something. So it's live streams, right? So you're is... doing those. So you're not nervous yeah, at all. But that, no, no, no. I'm not comfortable in these yet. I was, I was stressing like crazy. <laughs> this was only the second one I did. So. Oh, uh, so where did I come up with the 14 thing? There's a no, 14... no, you're right. Like it is the 14th Q&A video, but ah. usually the Q&As are, are pre-recorded. Ah. Okay. I did I did a live Q&A when I hit 10k subscribers and now last Monday I did the second live Q&A simply because I didn't have time to make a video and I'm going on holiday literally in a few hours so I know I, that's I thought, why <laughs> I, I saw yeah, it <laughs> so I just did a, a, a live stream so I didn't have to prepare anything but that's a different beast like it's it's it feels so different when I because in in the videos if if people saw my raw footage of filming, they would they would not think that I do YouTube every week, right? It's horrible <laughs> what I have to cut out there. When you do something live, you don't have this option, and it's it's much more stressful. But yeah, it's hilarious. I usually have like when I film a video of maybe ten minutes, I have maybe eighteen, nineteen minutes of footage, and mm -hmm. what I cut out there is I could make so many blooper reels. <laughs> yes, we're expecting that. <laughs> No, no, it's all immediately deleted. No, that's another idea for when you don't have so much time. That's true, actually. Yeah. So I mean, now that you have so much content, I guess you could do a lot with it. And let me just talk about this one thing that I found out while watching, not live, but the recorded version of that Q&A session. You now have merchandise. Is it a totally yes. new thing or is it a, yes. it's a recent thing, right? Totally new. Yeah, yeah, I announced it on Monday. Yes. Oh. Sorry about the sound. Like, I'm getting... Oh, it's great. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It comes and goes every minute. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it has been a big process, actually. I, I was approached by a company first that said that they would like to do my merchandise. Um, and it sounded interesting, but I was also a bit... I don't know. You have to be really aware of strange people in this industry like i get i get offers of like some weird crypto nft games that want to pay me five thousand dollars for a video like no i mean i don't want to promote your scam right this is ridiculous but then so i i was the first uh, of being famous <laughs> i get i see now why so many big uh, youtubers and influencers just scam their fans because if they offer me five thousand dollars imagine what they offer them i mean that's, mm. that's ridiculous um what was the question oh yeah the, yeah. the merge so then yeah. i i communicated with them a bit and i just had a bad feeling i can't really explain it but i i had a call with the guy and he was this typical american sleazy salesman and i was like I don't know. It's sleazy. I, I, I love it. <laughs> I can't really describe, but I was just going out of this call and I thought to my girlfriend, this is weird. I don't want to go into business with this guy. I, I don't trust him at all. Uh, but I like the idea that he promoted, like that he put forward. So I, I still stayed in touch with him a bit. And then like he sent me an offer of what they had in mind. And yeah, some really weird sales 
sales funnels and sales practices. And then I, I, I said, okay, this is not for me. This is, uh, I don't want to go into that. And then once I said that to him, he started like pressuring me and being really rude. And then I said, okay, I'm really happy. I uh, oh. Please, please don't contact me. And I blocked him. But the idea of merch, I liked. So then I, I just uh, looked into it, watched a lot of videos, read a lot about it, and tried to do this on my own. Well, with some help of some people, but uh, me reaching out to the company on its own. Uh, I I did a few samples with, with different companies, and it turns out that it's not easy to do. People mm. are uh, really keen on making crappy stuff that just pollutes the oceans and no, and then upmarket it with like 50% margin. So I wanted to find something that was uh, good and well-made and, mm -hmm. you know, relatively sustainable and affordable. And now I finally found a company that does it to my satisfaction. And now we launched it. Mm -hmm. Now it's life. But you're not wearing one of your t-shirts today. <laughs> no. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> do you have the the? I saw you wearing the the hoodie, right? And so, and I saw that you have the mug. Do you have other things, or are they to come, or do you have like pants? Yes. So I, I have two hoodies, two cups, well, two mugs, and two t-shirts. So I have one design of the of the channel, the freelance verse, and I have one design. It's like a, a graphic that should represent translators mm -hmm. translation but not being obvious that, you know, mm -hmm. something that also you can wear without being like a branded person. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I have basically three um, uh, objects, three things with mm -hmm. the two brandings each. Because I didn't want to just put something on a t-shirt and, you know, let it roll. So I wanted to actually perfect it to a way that is good enough for me. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, yeah, I'm very happy with how it came out. And so you really want to wear your stuff, right? That's the idea. Also. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. And YouTube actually has this really nice implementation where you can link the store to your videos. And now when people watch my video, you just under it is a big bar with, with all the products. So that's, that's Look really Look how cool. professional and how yeah, yeah, minded yeah. this man is. Well, but because... the, You know, this is, this is... I tell people, like... Don't feel like I expect you to buy anything of this. Like, not at all. Like this is just if if you come on my channel and you watch my stuff, that's more than enough. This is just something extra if you want yeah, to. Yeah, it exists it. out there, and then it's up to. It exists exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, sounds like a good approach. But I know you have to travel today, so and we could be talking about this and everything else. <laughs> all day because we like videos we like talking and we like talking about translation but we talked about a lot more than translation today <laughs> yes yes you can always come on for a part two just let yes. me know <laughs> <laughs> yes I'm, I'm sure that will will happen if i if i can you know just stay here and and keep doing it <laughs> yes now yes, it's yes, just uh, amazing and as you know i have a lot of fun and i'm enjoying this so much like i said maybe too much <laughs> too enthusiastic that's all i think about right now so we'll see how that goes so i'll let you go thank you so so much for doing this this was amazing and i cannot thank you enough and just it was great to get to know you even better <laughs> of course thanks for having me and we should also do something together for my channel i will Ooh, reach out to you that's a whole <laughs> other whole part <laughs> okay Alrighty. thank you so much that was amazing thank you bye bye thank you bye Yay!
Oh, it's still on.